When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 12, and we're recording on November 3rd. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. And this is our holiday show. Yay! Which is super well, it's exciting. one of two. <laughs> yeah, one of two. This is my first holiday show I've ever done. <gasps> really? Yeah. Um, which is super, it was exciting. And then I re- I was like, wow, it's a little bit more daunting than I expected it to be. <laughs> I kind of love holiday but, shows because they're a reason to like shove my favorites at people. Um, yes. So I, f- <laughs> I find them a little easier to be perfectly honest. That's tr- I could I could actually see that. I I think the thing for me is like I I am not that good at actually tracking my reading, which is something that's on my like New Year's resolution mm. list, like figure out a tracking system that works for me. Um and then so I can actually remember what I read right. during the year. Right. But I had I figured it out. I know what I loved and what to recommend. So awesome. So here we are. Here we are. Uh, do you want to do the first sponsor? Or? Well, no. Well, first I want to ask people to send us questions for our yeah. next episode. Oh, that's right. Um, because we, so we're going to do two holiday shows and we decided to do them in November so that you'd actually have time to buy the things, um, or order them or whatever. Um, so this is the first one in which we're going to tell you what we think you should give this holiday season. But next episode, our second November episode, we are doing a question answering episode. So you can send us questions. Um, you can send them to SFF. Yeah at bookriot.com and you can ask for ideas for what to give people for the holidays you can have personal reading requests like anything you want to ask us but like sort of holiday related if you if you care to um would be great so please do send us some questions again it's sff yeah at bookriot.com um, and also, I want to mention we got some feedback from the paranormal show oh yeah which <laughs> So we had two emails, um, one from Lindsay and one from Marie, who both said that they did not consider aliens paranormal, which I thought was interesting because I am a child of the 90s. And when I think of aliens, the first thing I think of is those schwa stickers. Does anybody else remember this? I'm old. Um, That that, sounds familiar. The gray head alien with the the almond-shaped eyes. Like, it's like a very (gasps) classic... Okay, so that was the thing. And like and and also like UFO abductions and all of that stuff. In my head, that was always more paranormal than science fiction, even though the argument that aliens are hard sci-fi is legit. Like I I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But also in my head, I link it back to that, which is very much more like less science and more just like weird inexplicable phenomena so so i i see your point 
but I raise you schwa, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> that is the best. That is the best debate ever. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, it's not a debate. It's just all personal. And it's funny, too, because a lot of people seem to think ghosts and hauntings when they think paranormal. But I just put that in horror. But, like, again, there's overlap. So, you know. Yeah, it gets really confusing because of the And We were talking about this last the, the last episode where it gets confusing between, like, between horror and supernatural and mm-hmm. paranormal. And I know, like, there are all sorts of definitions everywhere, which is probably part of the reason everybody is so confused. Because I can go to one place and not see aliens mentioned. And then I can go to <laughs> Wikipedia and look up paranormal and, you know, extraterrestrial life is sp- specifically mentioned. So, you know, it, it's it's really – it is a personal thing maybe. And <laughs> we could probably argue it or we could talk about it until the end times. But Indeed. Until the aliens come for real. T- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is going to happen. Mark one, my words. One of these days. <laughs> All right. Now I'll tell you about our first sponsor. Okay. And then we will get into our uh, – holiday recommendations. So our sponsor for this show is Beasts Made of Night by Tochi Onibuchi. Uh, and he is the, he is a debut author. I'm super excited about this. Um, he's a debut author and he has written a Nigerian influenced fantasy that if you are a fan of Neti Okorafor or Palabachi Galupi and authors like that, you're definitely going to want to pick up. Uh, so it is full of dark magic and thrilling action. It takes place in a walled city called Kos, um, where corrupt mages can like call forth sin from your body in the form of a sin beast, uh, which is like a creature that is created from feelings of guilt. And then they have these indentured basically kids uh, who are uh, told sent by the mages to slay the beasts. Um, so like somebody fancy, you know, hires a mage to pull a sin out of you. And then they have one of these young sin eaters kill it. Um, but it's not just like one and done when you kill a sin beast um, The you take on the guilt of committing this sin, like in your brain. And you also get a tattoo of the beast on your skin. So most of these uh, Aki is what they're called. The sin eaters are driven mad by this process but the hero of this book 17 year old Taj is like doing the thing he's desperate to provide for his family so he is like gonna just take whatever jobs he can get Um, and one day he gets called to eat the sin of a member of the royal family and then he becomes part of well he gets thrust into this dark conspiracy that is threatening to destroy the city and now he has to save the princess and himself and his city and it's just like a really I love of this plot summary so much. I can't wait to read this book. I have it on hold from the library. Um, so yeah. And the author, Tochi Anyabuchi, is he's like got a BA from Yale and an MFA in screenwriting and a master's in global economic law and a JD from Columbia Law School. <laughs> like he's got a lot of cred. Wow. <laughs> and his writing has appeared in um, Asimov's and Idiomancer, among other places. So it's an, it's an interesting debut from an interesting person. You should check it out. So again, that's Beasts Made of Night by Tochi Onyabuchi. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. I've heard a lot of good things about that one. I think I'm going to read that too. Yeah, the cover is beautiful too. It's a good looking cover. I do love a cover. I know, right? And speaking of which, I love the cover for my first first pick. Um, And I talked about this one last episode a little bit. 
Uh, but I wanted to actually recommend it this time because it was probably one of my favorite reads this year. And that's The Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman. Um, so I was mostly effusing about it. Like, I was so excited just to talk about it. This is the prequel to Practical Magic. And now I get to talk about it for real. So um, I sort of wanted to include this as well because I think it would make a great holiday gift because it kind of wonderfully balances this sort of quaintness or suburbanness and also like high drama. So this is the story of three children, Franny, Jet, and Vincent. And you'll probably remember that Franny and Jet are the aunts from Practical Magic. We're just coming out of Halloween and I saw everybody yes. watching Practical Magic. <laughs> so um, if you watched the show or the movie or you read the book, um, in this book, we're going back to the 60s when the three siblings are teens. And I was immediately like, Vincent, what happened to Vincent? So the whole time I was reading this, that question was on my mind, but the story of Vincent and what became of him is only part of the intrigue surrounding the story. Because if you know anything about this family, it's that they're stuck with this curse that makes it impossible for them to love. And the curse was cast in the 1600s by Maria Owens, who was, you know, ostracized and made to pay for loving a truly awful man and a witch hunter because, you know, this is the 1600s. Witchcraft was not generally accepted. Um, but when we meet the kids in the story, they don't know anything about this. They don't know, um, they don't really know anything about the history of witchcraft in their family, but they know something is up. Like their mom doesn't allow them to do all sorts of weird things like wear black or own cats or light candles. And their parents in general are kind of mundane. And their dad is a psychiatrist. Their mom is a bit of a socialite, but the kids are all oddballs in different ways. They're all loners, except for Franny, who has one close friend who's a young man. And Vincent's problem is that he attracts all sorts of people. Like when he was born, the nurse tried to steal him from the nursery because she was just drawn to him. So he's the the sort of charismatic heartthrob, which was kind of weird in the beginning because he's like 14 years old Whoa. when the book starts out. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can see that <laughs> yet. But um, but so he just has this charisma about him and people can't seem to pull themselves away. And he's the one that discovers this spell book because he leads this sort of shady. He's like always bored. He's bored with everyone and everything. So to get his thrills, he leads this sort of shady existence. And I guess that's what happens when you're always skulking in the shadows. You find spell books. So the discovery of the book and a message from their Aunt Isabel ends up setting them off on exactly the sort of path their mother worked so hard to steer them away from. But even she can't refuse some of the tradition, so... Off they go because Franny's turned 17 and every Owens goes back to the old family house in Boston uh, when they turn 17. And because the siblings are so tight, and this is definitely a story about like sibling relationships and the sibling bond. So because they're so tight, they go with her. 
And that's when the magic starts to happen and when they leave behind the lives they knew to learn some truths about themselves and their family. So there are a lot of tragic moments in this book. There are deaths and paralyzing depression and the sort of loss that stays with you a lifetime. But there's also this strange sort of coziness and not all of the story takes place in the house on Magnolia in that small town. Um, but that's where they come of age and they make their discoveries and the story really begins after they discover their craft and their individual powers. And it takes us beyond the, their young adulthood into actual adulthood and all the way up to the arrival of Sally and Jillian, which I found really satisfying. Um, the whole of the book is really satisfying and while it gets dark, it's also comforting. So there's a sense of sisterhood, familial love is really strong in this book. It has that complex multi-generational magic feeling happening and there are so many subplots with each sibling leading their lives together and also having secret lives. They each have their struggles, but they're woven together seemingly effortlessly. And Alice Hoffman's writing, I just love her writing. It's so crystal clear, so lyrical, I couldn't put it down. And I think it's perfect for when you want to get cozy and just lose yourself in a book and feel like there's magic in the world. So that was The Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman. Nice. Um, I picked an actual holiday collection for my first book because we were talking in the Insiders uh, about it, um, Insiders Forum, and I I was like, oh, do do... Does more than one of these exist? So now I'm like on a hunt for others. But the one that I reread every year is Miracle and Other Christmas Stories by Connie Willis, um, which is a collection of short stories all oriented around Christmas. And it is not, I should say, a holiday collection. It is specifically Christmas. Um, but they're really fun and weird. Um, there is one that takes place in a toy store that's like almost kind of like a little bit of a horror story. Um, mm. There's one that includes aliens um, in Denver. <laughs> there's one that's sort of a rewrite of of the wise men, like a little bit time travel-y. Um, there's just a bunch of different, oh, there's a good one where um, a young woman's sister sends her a guardian angel, quote unquote, for Christmas. Um, but the guardian angel is this like blonde hippie guy who like keeps turning her possessions into like eco-friendly bamboo coasters or something. It's really entertaining. Um, it was written in, let's see, it was published in, in 2000. So it was written in the nineties. So it's definitely got a bit of like a nineties sensibility to it, which I also enjoy. Um, and she's got a new holiday collection coming out, which I haven't read yet. Um, but I, given that I read this one every year, I probably will pick it up and see if it compares. So yeah. So miracle and other Christmas stories by Connie Willis. Um, it's just a really fun Christmas collection. That and The Dark is Rising by Susan Cooper are like my Christmas rereads. I read them every year right around the holidays. So if you're looking for something that will have specifically Christmas feelings, <laughs> both of those are here for you. <laughs> That's so fun. I, I don't think I have like a Christmas read. I have problems reading books over again. So Oh, really? I I'm yeah, such I a rereader. I'm such oh. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just like want to live certain moments over again. Even in Harry Potter, Sharifa, I know what a Harry, Harry Potter that, fan you are. That was my litmus test. If I couldn't read Harry Potter again, I knew I was just like, I couldn't. It's, and it's, I can't. Wow. I can't. I'm I, like, I kind of wish because 
it's distracting. Like I have so much reading for work and then I want to reread yeah. things. It's very, I envy you a little bit. <laughs> I envy you. So there you go. Um, my next pick is a collection. It's a short story collection. And I chose this specifically because I was thinking about people who are desperately waiting for the next book in the Sorcerer Royal series by Zen Cho, which I am one of those people. And mm-hmm. it's supposed to be out next year. Um, who knows? But if you are waiting and if you're looking for more fantasy written by her, this is a collection, Spirits Abroad by Zen Cho. It's a collection of short stories by um, Cho. And this is especially good if you really want fantasy set in far-flung places. Uh, this t- takes place in Malaysia and around Malaysians. And I actually found this book before I read Sorcerers of the Crown because I was looking for fantasy set in Malaysia. And it's, you know, there aren't that many books out there like that. So uh, when I happened upon this, I attacked it. Um, And ghost stories are a big part of Malaysian tradition. And a lot of mythology is built around these stories. And family is also a huge part of Malaysian culture. And you get both in great abundance in spirits abroad. So to start off with, like, the the collection kicks off with a story about a family of witches and the one non-magical daughter who went abroad to live a modern, magic-free life in the West. But then Vivian has to return home when her grandmother passes away, and what she comes home to is a teenage sister who gets so livid and emotional from the loss of her grandmother that her temper, like, burns newspapers and kaya toast at the breakfast table. <laughs> and there's, like, a house full of pregnant cats and dogs and a mother who has her own ideas about where her grandmother should be buried. And then her grandmother visits her from the afterlife and something in their relationship shifts as it probably would if somebody visited you from the afterlife. Uh, But there's a story that's also based on real situations from Cho's professional life. And, oh, by the way, the story comes with author's notes, I should say. So you get to actually find out what inspired the stories and Cho's thoughts on them. So the one about her professional life is set at this forum on minorities in Malaysia. And Cho actually led some of these roundtable discussions for a nonprofit And the conversations, which are hilarious, even though you wouldn't think so from the sound of it, they're actually plucked from those discussions she had where older people sort of regressed into these nostalgic remembrances of, you know, quote unquote, better times. And Malaysia, similar to Singapore, is a melting pot of cultures, and you see these day-to-day culture clashes all the time over there. But because this is about spirits, this orangutan shows up at, not orangutan, but orangutan shows up at the forum and rails about the marginalization of his people. He's a spirit. He's a magical creature. But he also shows up because of long-lost love. The whole scene is just like, I was, I was giggling the whole way through um and then there's also a vampire story the house of aunts these are sort of my favorite stories the house of aunts about a 16 year old vampire who falls in love with a boy in her class but there's a problem because she's undead she lives with her undead aunties and they also eat people so uh it's very different vampire lore it's very different ghost stories and stories about fairies as well um so I just think that it's it's great to kind of go outside of what you normally read about some fairly ubiquitous 
magical or supernatural creatures because this one has a completely different take on all of those all of those creatures and I really enjoyed every story it's not often that happens with collections and I'm not saying there won't be stories you might skip over but this is definitely a favorite collection of mine and um, just a side note that a lot of the characters speak Manglish that blend of Malay English but I don't think it's difficult to understand once you get into it so that was Spirits Abroad by Zencho. I have to pick that up. I do love her style, and I am just desperate for the next Sorcerer Royal. You um, will like this, book. I think. Yeah. Okay, my next pick is, for my money, the best new hard sci-fi that's come out in the last two years. It's the Machineries of Empire series by Yoon Ha Lee. Uh, two of the three are out, Nine Fox Gambit and Raven Stratagem. Uh, so the series is not done. However... One of the many things that I love about this series is that each book has a very satisfying close. Like you are left wanting to know more of the story, but it's not one of those like mid action cliffhangers. Like there is a resolution to the plot that's been presented to you and it's enough where you're like, okay, I am going to be all right until the next book comes out, like, just barely. Like, I, I need more, but I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and I have been gifting these to everybody I can think of who loves hard sci-fi. They're so good. Um, in the first one, you are introduced into this world of the um, Hexarchate, which is it's a six-faction uh, government and there are um, weird rules for this universe all organized around the calendar it sounds crazy and it's really hard to describe but once you get into the flow of the book you're like okay I, I understand now like it takes a little bit but you'll get there um, and one of the main character that we're following is uh, a captain uh, Kel Cheris who is sort of you know got some unconventional battle skills and she uses them in this battle and it's like she knows she's going to sort of be sidelined or even possibly killed for using non-approved strategies but she is doing her duty she's going to win this battle even if it means that she suffers for it um, and instead of getting you know like sidelined or imprisoned or killed she gets recruited for this very like top secret mission that also includes her like taking on like being possessed by the ghost of a long dead psychopathic general <laughs> because of course <laughs> so so she's fighting two battles in this she is trying to win a war against these like invading forces um, and protect her people but she's also trying to maintain control of her body and her brain when she's possessed by this like undead tactician um, and it is really intense it is so good the science is so weird and satisfying like it's not like anything else I've ever read it really is singular um, in its world building and the characters are so well drawn. You really feel like you are 
like there and like Kel Cheris is somebody like you might know or feels like somebody you might meet. Um, Jadao, who is the undead general, is just so fascinating and so scary and so cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're just, they're really amazing. Um, and you and the way that uh, Yunhali built the layers to this is also great because like there's the action and then there's the weird science, but then there's all of these politics. There's all of this conspiracy stuff going on and very very gradually you start to see more and more of what is actually going on and it's paced so incredibly well. Um, I don't want to tell you too much about the plot of the second one because it's a little bit spoilery for the first one, but suffice to say that it is an excellent book too. And one of the things that it does so well as a book too is that when you leave off at the end of book one, you know something. And then in book two, you get people's perspectives who are not Kel Cheris. And so you're like, wait, I thought I knew a thing. Do I not know a thing? Like what is going (laughs) on here? And so it kept me guessing and very invested on on the edge of my seat the entire time. Uh, It was just great. Um, And I have no doubts that the third book is going to be just as good. Uh, I don't think it has a pub date yet, but hopefully it will be sooner rather than later. Oh, 2018. So hopefully not too long from now. Um, And uh, But yeah, I mean, if you are a person who loves hard sci-fi, if you know somebody who loves hard sci-fi, like you do not want to sleep on this series. It is so freaking good. Uh, So that is The Machineries of Empire by Yoon Ha Lee. The first book is Nine Fox Gambit and the second book is Raven Stratagem. And they're both in paperback, so you could do, like, a really nice twofer gift where you gave both of them to someone or to yourself, like, whatever. You know, gift giving to yourself is important, (laughs) too. (laughs) Nice. I co-signed that. I've only read the first book, but I was, like, enthralled. It was so, so interesting. Um, And my next pick is sci-fi. It's The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. And not to harp on insiders so much, but I kept hearing about this book on insiders and I kept seeing it around and I felt like I was sort of like the last person to come to it, but I loved it so much. Like I'm so glad. I'm so glad I kept seeing it and I finally picked it up. Um, So this book came out in 2014. The second book, A Close in Common Orbit came out in 2016. And the third book, Um, which is a standalone, last I checked, is out next summer. So you have some books that are already out. You have one that's coming. So I think it's a great, if you haven't read it, like, or you're just starting out like me, it's kind of a great time for it. Um, So the Wayfarer series starts with Rosemary Harper, uh, whose name isn't actually Rosemary. Everything about her is new by the time she steps aboard the Wayfarer to join the crew as its clerk. Um, and Rosemary is running away from life as she knew it because it's gone pear-shaped thanks to her father. Um, so it's by no fault of hers, really. So she spends almost all of her money creating this new identity and getting this position, which sounds boring, like being like I've been a clerical worker before. It was absolutely mind-numbing. But it is... <laughs> aboard a ship it's aboard a ship that punches holes through space so totally different um the ship itself and the crew are uh, i guess like i would say seemingly discordant but somehow it all works they all have such different personalities so there's Sizzix, who's a reptilian woman she pilots a ship and then there's kizzy and jenks i love their um 
I just love their banter, the banter between those two who are the techs. And I also loved Kizzy's outfits, which is a complete uh, side topic, but she dresses like 80s Cindy Lauper, or at least that's <laughs> how I imagined it. Yep. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is my person. Um, and then there's also like Corbin, who's the least personable person on the ship. He's the algist. And then Ashby, the captain. And... Uh, uh, there's Dr. Chef. I love Dr. Chef. He's like a medic and an herbologist and the cook. And I kept trying to place what each dish might be based on the real world. And some of them I was like, there's no there's no comparison. And then there's Lovey, the AI who's sentient and kind of has a thing going with Jenks, the tech. Um, so the cast is just wonderful. And it's a space adventure and with, like, that blend of the quirky cast of characters and the fact that the story has lots of heart and lots of humor and lots of tasty space bugs, this is kind of like, this, I would say, is my perfect sci-fi book. Like, I really like sci-fi with a sense of humor and lots of personality and lots of heart. That's just what I love. Um, so you have this cast of characters. They go on an adventure the crew gets hired for a big job. Usually they take the jobs they can get and they get paid, you know, normally or averagely, but this one's different and it's also really dangerous. So there's a war happening with the Toremi clans who sound way violent and very difficult to deal with. And they're basically, the, the crew is wedging themselves into this hotbed by agreeing to this contract because it's kind of like they can't say no. This is the big opportunity to make a lot of money all at once. And Rosemary, who's never been in space, is suddenly thrown into this. And everybody knows she's new, but, like, she's she's really new. She's been planet-side all her life, which means she's always been living on—she's always lived on the planet— and um, so she's been living in Mars, and this is the first time she's really out in space for an extended period of time. So we get to experience this really madcap adventure through her eyes, which just adds to the fun. And we get the perspectives of a lot of the other crew. So you get to jump around and learn things about each person and their stories and their secrets. And it almost starts to feel like you're getting to know actual people and getting familiar with the ship. And I can absolutely see why people are enamored with this book and why I am. Um, I think that there are just some books that make a home in you where you become really attached to the characters and you want to know everything about their internal lives. And this is sort of one of those books. And it's very rare for me to come across this. I like science fiction a lot, but it's a different feeling for me to read a book like this that's in science fiction. So, like, I was giggling by page 22. And if you're looking for even more fun sci-fi, um, I would check out The Long Way to Small Angry Planet and then the other books in the series. I still have to get to the rest of the books in the series. And I'm really glad that I haven't read them all and I have something to look forward to. So yeah, that was The Long Way to Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. I do love those two. The second one is good. It's different, though. It's not okay. a space adventure. It's like planet side and it's much more. Um, ooh, how do I want to say it? Like you get 
certain character's backstory, but I don't want to give anything away. But it's great. Okay. It's, it has a lot of the same like found family feelings that The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet has, and I really loved it also. Yeah, but okay. it is then a different reading fun. experience. I th- It's been really interesting to see people respond to them in different ways because they're both really good and share some, some DNA, but like the focus is different, and so seeing people respond to the focus in one versus the other. Sorry, okay, tangent. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm like... In- I'm completely uh, interested in what you have to say, but you you can be my litmus test. I don't want to okay. like pronounce, but I have I think I know which one you're gonna like better. But we'll we'll have okay. to see once you've read the second one. I will let you know. I'll tell okay. you the results. Excellent. So speaking of really fun science fiction, my next pick is Provenance by Anne Leckie, which is a standalone book that does take place in the same universe as her Imperial Raj trilogy, which is all out, by the way. So if you wanted to give somebody a hard sci-fi trilogy, like that is a complete trilogy you can give to somebody tomorrow. Um, But Provenance I love because it is a standalone book. It takes place in the same universe, but it's totally separate from those And it is so fun. Oh, my goodness. I was just not – I just wasn't – I wasn't ready. Like, I was not ready for how much fun this book was going to be. It is about a young woman who has been raised in a ruling family. She's adopted – as is her sibling. And um, she and her sibling have been sort of pitted against each other by her mother, who is like a powerful person um, in their home world, uh, to like prove themselves to her and like who's going to be, who's going to get to inherit the position, like who's going to inherit the family, you know, power. Like that's a thing that's been going on since she was a little kid. So Ingre, which is her name, um, has like a period, she's like kind of resigned to not winning this competition, but every now and then she's like, no, I'm going to do it thing. Um, And so she decides that she is going to break a prisoner out of a prison planet to find out where that person hid the like precious artifacts that they stole from her home world so that she can restore the artifacts and like be the hero and win her mother's regard. This is a terrible plan. Like it immediately (laughs) comes clear that she has no idea what she's doing. This is the worst plan ever. She's like using all of her personal funds. She's basically going to be broke. Like this is her like sort of last ditch effort. And she's just like, well... Okay. <laughs> so 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 the company that she hires to break this person out of the prison planet delivers her a body in like a in like a you know hibernation capsule. And when this person wakes up they're like, "Yeah, I'm not who you think. Like I didn't steal anything. I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on here." And she's like, "Well, could you just pretend to be the smuggler and then we'll like tell my brother that you know things and we'll trick him and that's how I'll get the power like she she makes it worse <laughs> she like makes her already bad plan even worse um so they go to her they go to her home and things un- unravel from there um in at the same time that there's this like family struggle going on there's also some big political stuff happening in the bigger world um there is a spaceship and a space captain that get involved there is also a murder uh and a bunch of just really great action like that action in this book is so solid there's gunfights and there's like running around at night trying to find the person before anybody else does and there's 
near escapes and there's just oh and then there's also all these political machinations and then there's the family stuff and it's just got so much packed into like how many pages is it like I don't know 300 pages it's a lot of story it's so good it moves so quickly it's so enjoyable I just really cannot stop talking about how much I loved this book (laughs) Um, it's got a great cover and and it's just you know it's like a good solid package so if you are trying to introduce somebody to Anne Lucky's work this is a a great place to start like this will certainly whet their appetite for more Um, if you have a friend who loved the ancillary series you can give them this Um, it's like here here's another one like it references the events of the ancillary series without like being too confusing for somebody who doesn't know anything about it Um, and it's got all of these sort of gender fluidity and playing with pronouns and um, like queer love relationships that ancillary justice and its sequels did so well um and lucky's like her style remains the same across all of the books this one just like amps up the fun quite a bit so that is provenance by Anne lucky super 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 fun i have that one on my shelf and i cannot wait it's once great. i heard it was i heard it was fun from you first yes. and i was like yes Yes, this is happening. Like, talk um, about, like, giggling by page 22. Like, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my next pick is Binti. And that whole series is Binti Home. Um, and then there's one that's coming out. I had the name. Uh, I will find it for you in a moment. Um, so uh, I thought that this would be a good a good pick for sort of hesitant readers of science fiction because Binti is short, it's vivid, and it's also really amazing. It won a Hugo and a Nebula, and because it's a core four, you know it's expertly written. So this is a space travel novella about Binti, who's a super smart, super driven young woman. She's so smart, in fact, that she becomes the first of the Himba people to be accepted at Umza University, which is basically like um, if you picture like Harvard or something, but on a galactically excellent level. So in order for Binti to attend Umza, she has to forsake her family, which is a huge deal. Like her family, they're all, you know, they're all really close and she works with her father, but she decides she needs to run off knowing that they disapprove and that they want her to stay with the family and with her people. But this is like an offer she cannot refuse and she has to go through this, she has to go through this whole ordeal just to get on the ship. She's dealing with people who look down on her and think she's strange or low because, you know, racism and cultural prejudice. But she finally gets on the ship and she's just getting acclimated and even pondering the idea of getting to know people when the worst happens. And I'm pretty sure plenty of terrible things can happen in space, but getting hijacked by alien pirates is pretty high up there. (laughs) So (laughs) the thing is, nobody can communicate with these aliens, and it doesn't seem like they want to talk so much as they want to destroy and kill, but Binti manages to get away. Like, there's a horrible, bloody nightmare that happens when they arrive, but she escapes, And from there, it's about how she survives and what happens between her and the pirates. But I don't want to go into that too much because the book is really short. Um, I think I read it in like a couple hours. So there's lots of spoilage opportunities. 
Um, but the story basically touches on communication and xenophobia and prejudice, as well as being a sort of space adventure. Maybe not adventure, but a space, a galactic a galactic journey story. So it's set in space, but the ideas behind it are present day enough. And Okafor just writes these incredible women who are flawed, but they're also incredibly strong and smart. And I just love what she does. And I thought about this book because um, the next one, which is Binti the Night Masquerade, by the way, um, that one comes out in January. So you will not have to wait long to close out the series because that is the last book in the series. So I was trying to also balance my fantasy and sci-fi, but I also have to give props to Akata Witch and Akata Warrior by Akora 4. Um, Akata Warrior just came out this year and I, I had such a hard time choosing between the two, but I just wanted to give that a shout out. It's a great witchy series set in Nigeria. So check that one out too. But this is Binti by Nnedi Akora 4. All right. For my next pick, I was thinking about people who are looking to broaden their reading, um, people who like a lot of different styles of science fiction and fantasy, and or people who have like already read everything that you can think of to suggest to them. Mm-hmm. And being one of those people, I appreciate this. <laughs> um, and I, for my money, uh, The Jin Falls in Love and Other Stories by, or edited rather, by Mavesh Murad and Jared. Sharon is one of the best collections, one of the best sci-fi fantasy collections I've read in a long time. Um, Like Sharifa was saying, often with collections, there are stories that you're like, eh, it was okay. Um, But I really, there was very, I almost every story in this collection was excellent. And even the ones that weren't my favorite had me just totally wrapped. Uh, The organizing theory of this collection is that every writer um, wrote about a djinn, but they got to sort of decide everything from like the spelling of the word, like, is it djinn? Is it genie? Does it have a D or a G in it? Like, who cares? Um, And bring their own traditions and their own take on this supernatural creature to their story. And the results are stunning. There are so many amazing stories in here. The lineup includes Nnedi Okorafor, Neil Gaiman, um, just a ton of good people. J.Y. Yang, whose novella series I have been like raving about. Camila Shamsi's story is amazing. Maria Devana Headley and Monica Byrne are all in there. Uh, Saad Hussein. Like they, it, it's just a killer, killer lineup of people. And the stories are beautiful. Some of them are. I mean, as you might guess from the title, The Gin Falls in Love, that's the title of the poem that opens the collection. But a lot of them are love stories, but there are different kinds of love stories. So there's romantic love stories, there's family love stories, there's unrequited love stories. um, And there's everything from like straight up historical fantasy to, you know, time travel to future sort of speculative stories the range is huge the range is just enormous and i i don't know i'm hard pressed to think of a collection that pulls from this many different authors 
that has such heart to it and such good writing and so many interesting concepts. One of my favorite stories takes place in a future where the environment has gone to, you know, heck in a handbasket and there's pollution everywhere and there's these nanobots that help like control the pollution, but they're, they live in people and there have to be enough people present Ooh. to like reach critical mass. And so the rich, obviously, um, are basically living off of the like very breath and presence of the poor and a group of the poor um, in the city in question start a sort of underground cafe um, where anybody can bring sort of their own, you know, spoon and their own supplies and they'll just make something out of it. And it's, it's, it's that wonderful sense of found community, but then of course they get raided and things take a very dark turn. Um, And, and it's stories like that where you're like not expecting what it's going to be and it just unfolds in front of you and is is a beautiful thing. Um I just I loved so many of these stories. Some of them I had actually seen other places. Uh Neil Gaiman's story was related to American Gods for example. Um but yeah, I just like clearly I am very in love with this collection. <laughs> I just can't say enough good things about it. Um it is a paperback so it's not super expensive and it will give you if you are a voracious reader it will give you new authors to follow um if you need something for a friend like it will give them a whole bunch of different reading experiences and authors that they can check out i just think it's wonderful it's really really wonderful so that's the gin falls in love and other stories edited by mavesh marad and jared shuren that sounds excellent it's so good it's just so good (laughs) Um, well, I'm going really backlist here. I guess it's not that backlist, but um, I wanted to talk about Uprooted by Naomi Novik. And I realized, like, basically last night that I had to include this as my next pick or as a pick on the list because it was way up there on my favorite reads of the year alongside, like, The Rules of Magic, even though it was published in 2015. So I've been going, like, I don't... I read a lot of backlist books. Um, And Uprooted is a book I find myself trying to convince people to read. It's not often difficult to convince people because (laughs) I think a lot of people who read fantasy have at least heard of it. Um, because it has all the things I love and I know I'm not the only one who felt alone in the world when I finished. So the story is about Agnieszka, who's a village girl. She lives a humble life with her family and her life is mostly untroubled. She loves her village. She loves her neighbors and she loves her best friend who's this village girl, Kasia. And Kasia is beautiful. She's the epitome of the fairy tale princess other than not being a princess. And when the girls come of age, Agnieszka realizes that Kasia might be stolen away from her because the village has a tradition. And it's really a sacrifice where one girl is given to the dragon every 10 years. This is not a real dragon, by the way. Um, So the village is surrounded by a forest full of dark magic. And in order to keep that magic at bay, they need the dragon who's actually a wizard. So he's a human, he's a wizard. Um, He sticks around to fend off this dark magic. The only payment he asks of them is one girl every 10 years, and that 10 years is up. So 
Of course, the girl he chooses would be Kasia. So Agnieszka manages, uh, or she makes a sacrifice of her own. And then she ends up in the servitude of the dragon, who is as mean and cold as she imagined. And she immediately hates every bit of her new life, especially because she's been separated from her family and her town and her friends. Um, And I just loved Agnieszka. Like, once you start to get to know her, and you get to know her pretty quickly in this book, she's, you find out she's very stubborn and very strong-willed, very rough around the edges. Uh, But she's also, like, super feisty and... That place where her fiery nature and the dragon's iciness meet, it's just, like, charged. It's, it leads to the sort of tension that made me turn the pages like they were on fire. Um, so there is magic, of course. The dragon is a wizard. Agnieszka, being curious as well as feisty, kind of bumbles into his work. And the story is sort of rooted, no pun intended, in Eastern European mythology and folklore. There's a hint of Baba Yaga here, and there are evil trees housing corpses and magical villains, along with political villains and curses that spread sickness. And because it takes place in a brutally cold location, I th- which I think is sort of based on Poland, um, if I'm not mistaken, it seems fitting for the season. So hopefully you can bundle up and be glad you're warm while you're reading with a cocoa. Except I would definitely want to roam around inside the dragon's abode because it sounds super cool. But the story is truly enchanted. It was unputdownable and it's just super luxurious as far as storytelling goes and that was uprooted by naomi novik i did love that book when it came out it's a good one it is so good i love it (laughs) all right my last pick is an unkindness of ghosts by river solomon because my temptation is always to recommend nk jemison and or octavia (laughs) butler But you have all heard me talk about her. Uh, So I guess I will say, if you haven't yet read N.K. Jemisin and or Octavia Butler, like go get yourself the complete works of both because amazing. But if you have read them and are looking around and you're like, what is next? I need the next thing while we wait for N.K. Jemisin to publish her next book. I cannot recommend more highly than that you go seek out An Unkindness of Ghosts. It is a science fiction story set on a generation ship that has been completely divided into like literal masters and slaves. Um, it is about uh, the population of Earth has has like loaded themselves onto this giant ship and are set off and are trying to find uh, like they're headed towards a new habitable planet theoretically and over the course of the generations like racism and class lines have really solidified so that the lower decks are populated by the brown people who are forced to work in the fields and to like provide all of the labor for those on the upper decks who have like golf courses and mansions and like really nice clothes Um, and this is um, enforced in all of the ways you might expect there's guards with guns and you know uh, there's rolling blackouts for the lower decks to conserve energy so that the upper decks can use it however they want. Um, And the main character, Astrid, is a neurodiverse person. I don't know like how she would be diagnosed, but she's she's like her brain works differently from those around her. Um, And she has lived her life being different. Um, She is a lower decker 
but she has a little more freedom than most because she's been trained in medicine and surgery. So she is sort of the, 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 the surgeon and doctor for the lower decks. Um, when the book opens, it opens with her amputating a child's foot. So like just FYI, like if you have, if you don't have a strong stomach, you might want to skip this one for various reasons. Um, but yeah, it's intense. And so you follow Aster around the ship and you start to learn more about what is going on here. And in the meantime, um, she has been, she lost her mother when she was very young and her mother left behind these journals and it seems like her mother was crazy because the journals don't make a whole lot of sense. And one day one of her friends is like, oh, well, you know, she wrote those in code, right? Like just kind of drops it out there like, oh, these are a code. And it just kind of blows Aster's mind. And as she starts looking, she realizes that her mother had figured out something about the ship and was trying to record it in a way that nobody else would recognize. So Aster sets off to sort of figure out what her mother discovered. And along the way, you know, she falls afoul of powerful people. Um, in the meantime, there's a transfer of power going on that is going to spell very bad things for the Lower Deckers. Um, and the ending of this book, I like, I need people to read it so I can talk <laughs> about it. I have so many, like, feelings and questions about it. Um, but it's a really intense ending. And, yeah, so this is this is not an easy book, as you might guess from the subject line. Like, there is violence and assault in it. Um, there, Aster has been called horrible things because of the way she interacts with people. Um, and it's, it's not a light read, but it is so powerful. And in the same way that N.K. Jemisin and Octavia Butler have looked at racial politics in America and have looked at, you know, what the future could look like, what it would look like if, you know, magic was involved, what it would look like if time travel is involved. Like River Solomon is looking at it. It's like, what would it look like if space is involved? Um, and it's just, it's such a strong debut. I just think it's fascinating. And I'm really looking forward to more from this author. So that is An Unkindness of Ghosts by River Solomon for people who are craving a new voice in sci-fi, um, something to follow up the amazing work that Jemison and Butler have been doing. Mm-hmm. I have that one. Oh, it's it. rough though. It is. It's hard, I know, that's but why it's I so good. To it. I'm so scared. Like I have a lot of sympathy, but, but you know, if you've read the, the broken earth trilogy, you know, by NK Jemison or, yeah. you know, like fledgling by Octavia Butler, like there's really rough stuff in there too. So yes, there so, is. <laughs> so if you, if you are on board, like, you know, get it, just get it. Just go. Get I it. will. I will. I'm inspired. <laughs> So that's it for us. Yeah. Okay. So that's our, that's holiday recommendations round one. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Please do send us your holiday recommendation requests to SFF. Yeah. At bookriot.com or your feelings about paranormal or whatever, you know, shoot us an email. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Um, if you could also review us and rate us on Apple podcasts, we'd certainly appreciate it. It helps us uh, to know what you're thinking and it also helps other people to find this show you can find me online i'm jen irl on tumblr it's jen irl.tumblr.com jen with two n's and i am at in, on instagram as s zino williams that's s-z-a-i-n-a-b williams and we'll talk to you next time 